Amen. Well, guys, I hope you brought a Bible. And if you did, would you make your way this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Sunday mornings, we make our way through uh, the Bible verse by verse. We're in 2 Corinthians and verse by verse enjoying that and so longing that you're there. Hopefully, you brought a Bible. You're turning. If you didn't bring a Bible, they're right. there's a Bible right in front of you here in the sanctuary. Page number on the screen. Just grab it under the chair in front. Join us there. You want to use a Bible app on a, on a device, that works as well. But our invitation this morning is to hear and see the Word of God, to allow His Word to work into your life, and we're longing that that would just impact you today. If you're joining us in the Overflow Online, make sure you hear that invitation as well. Have a Bible. Join us and may God speak to us today through His Word. With that as our aim, let's ask Him. Let's ask Him for help, that we would hear that which He would have each of us to hear this morning. Father, we come, and Bible's open, asking now you would open up our hearts, that you would connect your Word into our lives. Give us understanding, help our, our minds to comprehend what you're saying, and speak to us life. God, you, you have a way of taking your word and applying it perfectly into every life. And I love that you would do that here if we would just hear, if we would just listen. So I'm, I'm wanting to hear. I'm wanting to listen. I'm wanting to ask that you'd help us to hear you. Lord, I'm looking to you uh, to be the one that would communicate your truth into our lives in an effective and real way. Help, Lord. Do that here, do that now. We ask together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, you probably recognize the idea that sometimes life can get so weird, you're like, wow, things that are true sometimes can be stranger than fiction. But you know what else? Sometimes reality can be better than fantasy. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know if it's true for everybody in this room this morning, but for many of us, you've imagined it. I don't know if you've ever desired to be, you know, faster than a speeding bullet or stronger than a locomotive or able to leap over a building in a single bound. I don't know if you've ever longed to be kind of a superhero and wish that you could be bitten by a radioactive spider, you know, kind of deal. Or maybe, maybe you thought, no, I wish I could wield the force and have like a lightsaber. I mean, I mean, maybe you've dreamed of those kinds of things or traveling with the hobbits to Mordor. I don't know what it is. It is, but somewhere in the midst of your thought, man, wouldn't that be great? And, and, and I want to just say this very carefully. I'm hoping not to destroy like anybody's life purpose. Um, that's not going to work for you. Like, that's fantasy. Like, nobody's going to get bitten by a radioactive spider. It just doesn't work that way. But sometimes reality is better than fantasy. Sometimes what is actually real is better, and yet through that we could see it. See, I don't know if you've ever thought, but what if I could just, you know, peel back? What if I could open it up and say, yeah, I, I have, I'm a new creature in Christ. Like, I, I mean, seriously, like, look at this whole deal. I, I want you to think about it seriously as best as I can. I want you to consider this morning that what we are in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, is better than any superhero. It's better than anything that could be, and in some ways, 
Our great need is to see that. Now, we're going to cover a verse this morning that is a familiar verse. In fact, for most of you, you already know it. So I'm going to say it and let you kind of help me fill in the details just to see if you know it. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Yeah, that's what we're going to get to see. Why don't you grab your Bibles, notice it with me there, verse 17 of our text. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What an incredible verse that helps you and I gaze at things that God would have, helps us to see life in a way that would be entirely different, and I'm wanting you to see it this morning. Maybe it's stuff that you already understand, or maybe I'm going to ask you to bend your mind in a way that you have not yet comprehended the wonder of what God has done. We need to begin with just this understanding of a new creation, where he tells us very simply, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, that's what we are. We are new creations. That this thing that we call Christianity is more profound, radical, more wonderful than maybe many of us have ever fully even gotten close to comprehending, because it is this idea that to become a true follower of Jesus, you have to be born again. A radical new beginning, born from above, born anew, made in Christ. Jesus said it, right? Most of you know the text. He's there. He's talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus is asking him, like, what do, you know, why don't we, what do I have to do? Like, what, hey, good teacher, tell me, you know, what, what's in this whole thing for life? How do I do this? And Jesus just answers and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What you need is a radical, marvelous, incredible work. It's not just a, you know, improvement. It's not just a, a self-betterment. No, you need, to be, you need to begin all over. You need a new beginning. You need to be born again. There, there, there's no other way. And, and that reality Jesus holds to us, and the Bible holds to us, that that's the only way. Uh, to, to be in Christ. That's the only way to have life. Jesus simply goes on and says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Hey, just hold that in your mind because we're going to talk about this a little bit, this flesh and spirit and, and things that they are, but he's telling us it's different. This is not the flesh. This is, not, this is spirit. This is something radically different and marvelous that we need to see. I think about just trying to think or, or, or wrap our minds around how crazy it is. And I think of Charles Spurgeon, who said it this way in one of his messages. He says, I know no language, I believe there is none, that can express a greater and more thorough and more radical renewer, renewal than that which is expressed in the term a new creature. He says, there's not anything. There's not anything that you could use in language that would say, hey, that's, that's a bigger change. There's not anything that could be as radical, as wonderful, as glorious, as life-transforming as what that is. In fact, he went on to simply say it this way. He said, my brethren, it was more difficult, if such terms could ever be applicable to one who is omnipotent, uh, it was more difficult to create a Christian than to create a world. It is more difficult to create a Christian 
than it is to create a world. What was there, you know, to begin with when God made the world? There's nothing. But nothing could stand in God's way. It was at least passive. He just made the world. But brethren, when you look at us, he says, our hearts, while there was nothing that could help God, there was much that could and did oppose him. Now, we couldn't do anything to help it, but boy, we, we were difficult in the process. You know, we, we, are, we are that that stands against this reality of what God could do. Our stubborn wills, our deep prejudices, our ingrained love of iniquity, all these, O oh God, O oh great God, opposed thee and aimed at thwarting thy designs. Yes, great God, he says, it was great to make a world, but it's greater to create a new creature in Jesus Christ. It is so much more profound. It is so much more amazing that that which he does in us and everyone who is in Christ, that is what we are. That there's a sense that if anyone is in Christ, we have that. And and I know that's probably just simple, but I just want to make sure that we say it this way. This isn't a level of Christianity. There isn't like, well, you know, you have Christians, then you have born-again Christians, as if somehow they're like the extra, you know. No, this, you're it. I mean, if you're in Christ, if, if anyone is a follower of Jesus, if anyone is this, then, then we are this. This is what Christianity is. In fact, he uses that term that we're in Christ. Now, I just pause there and say this in passing. That is a incredible phrase. It is one of my favorite phrases. Uh, you know, I, if you ever, you know, get a little card from us at the church and you ever notice my signature, if you could actually read it. Um, but if you could actually read it, you would know that's how I sign my name all the time. I mean, whenever I write anything in church, it's in Christ, Jim. Like, that's who I am. I recognize who we are. In Christ is a, is a phrase that's used almost a hundred times in the New Testament, and it's profound in its implications that this is what it is to be a follower of Jesus. You wouldn't use this for anybody else or anything else. I don't know who you respect. I don't know if there's a political leader or a a world leader or maybe somebody in entertainment. You would never say, I'm in them. You never do that. You might say, I admire them. I respect them. I imitate them. It would be impossible and utterly crazy to say, no, I'm in, it's as if I'm inside them. I'm in them. I mean, and yet that is Christianity, that in Christ he died for us, and in his death we die, our sin dies. In his resurrection, we rise with him. Everything we are is in this beautiful connection in Christ, and it's profound. I mean, literally we could spend an hour just trying to explore the basics of that. We can't do it right now. It would miss where we're going to go this morning, but I just tell you this, it's incredible. That's who we are. In Christ, because of becoming in Christ, we become brand new creations. Now, that might land and work, but let's think about it just a tiny bit more. You never, in Christ, become newer. There's never a place where you become more new in Christ than you were the very moment you believed. If you believe in Jesus today, if today you would put your faith in Christ and become a follower of his and be born again, you will be made brand new today. You will be born again. That is a radical and glorious and amazing thing. But if you've been a Christian for 50 years, you are no newer in Christ today 
than you were the moment you believed. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. We are new. We are made new in that very moment that in Christ we become new the very moment we are saved. And all that we have in Christ is it continues to renew us. I mean, we, we're still staying in that newness. Back up for a moment, back to chapter 4, and you might just notice back there things that we saw there. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, verse 16. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet our inward man is being renewed day by day. It's still new. I mean, the idea of renewing isn't the idea that it's a, you know, being recreated every day. It's, it's the idea that, hey, we were new when we began, and you know what? Today, you're still new. You're not, you're not newer. Uh, it, it, this isn't a place where, you know, as, as time goes on, you become newer. No, the moment you were saved, you were brand new, and you never actually can become newer. Now, that raises a, a concept that we actually need to kind of try to make sure we understand, and maybe you do. Maybe I'm just saying things that all of us get, but it's important. Christian growth, real Christian growth, is not becoming newer. It is becoming more of what we already really are. Hey, if you're growing, and in Christ you should be growing, the Bible says that, that there is this place that we ought to be improving, and it's true, you should be improving. But here's the radical thing. You're not actually becoming something that you're not already who you are in Christ. You're just beginning to live more of what you already became that very moment. Now, we'll talk about this in a number of ways this morning, so maybe it lands right there, but maybe it doesn't. I hope it will continue. But we think about this, and there is a sense that theologians would say, hey, some of this is the difference between who we are positionally in Christ and who we are by practice, or maybe you might say it's the difference between justification and sanctification. Those are big words, but again, understand this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are justified. You are positionally perfect, made new in Christ. All your sins are forgiven, and, and, and you are accepted. You are right with Him. That is who you are positionally, and now your whole Christian life is to begin, hey, start acting like what you already are, I mean, try to you know, be sanctified so that what God has already given you, what you already are, you begin to work out. That would be a radical thing. I mean, that would be a radical thing that if you could wrap your mind around it, it is, again, if you could think about it, it's as if, hey, you've discovered out you're a superhero. It's discovered, you know, but you still haven't figured out how to do it. You're like, I don't know. I mean, I'm still, you know, it's like, you know, some of those superhero movies or whatever, and they're like, I'm just, I mean, I, you have the power. I mean, it's, it's fully yours. You just you haven't figured out what to do with it yet. That's kind of us. We already have it. I mean, we're made new in Christ, but the Christian life is saying, okay, God, help me live out what you've already done. Help me figure out how to put in practice what you made me new the very moment I got saved. Okay, so more on that in a moment that will help us think through that, how we do that practically. Let me answer a question that maybe nobody's asking, but maybe one person is, and so uh, not to be crass or, or, or weird about the way it would ask, but okay, if that's true, Jim, if we're already new uh, and, and, and all of it's there, then what is the point of growth? 
I mean, why do, we, why do we want to grow? I mean, why would that actually kind of take place? And without spending a bunch of time on it, I'll simply say it this way. It is absolutely worth it. Why? Because it's who you really are. It's who you really are. It's also pleasing to our God. It's impacting into our world that people get saved. And there are rewards. Uh, there are rewards. Yeah, we just talked about it. You can back up there in your text for a moment. Verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body uh, according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Hey, if you were with us on that Sunday, we talked about it. There are rewards, and that is going to determine some of our both enjoyment and ability to worship God in eternity. How that all works out, I can't even fully comprehend. I just know it's really, really good. And so there is something to saying, hey, I want to live the Christian life uh, for God's pleasure. I want to see impact. I want to do that. But here's the thing that's really important. It's not as if you're actually becoming something that you're not. See, I, I know that maybe that's simple, but sometimes that's how people see it. Sometimes even how we see it. Uh, some people treat Christianity as if it's a glorified self-help thing. You know, like, hey, you know, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to read my Bible, because I'm trying to become a better person. Uh, you know, I'm trying to, to get better, uh, you know, and I'm hoping that I can be, you know, nicer and better, and, and I want to, you know, become something I'm not. And if that's your, your understanding of Christianity, I lovingly want to say God works in the midst of our folly, but you're wrong. It's not how it works. If you get saved, you are brand new. Everything old passes away. Everything now has become new. You're a new creature in Christ, fully given in Christ, fully merited by Christ. And then now your goal is to say, God, I want to be what I am. I want to live out what you have already given me, what is already mine. It's not as if I'm becoming something that I'm not. I'm trying to be what you made me to be. That's Christianity. That's what the Bible unpacks for us, and that's what we need to think through, that being a Christian is, in that sense, not becoming newer, but it's becoming more of what we really are. Now, as we think about that, moving into the future, maybe again making sense, hey, when we die, what's going to take place in that moment is we're going to leave our flesh behind, and the new you, the real you in Christ will be the only thing that remains, that that's going to move on into eternity. That, that probably makes sense, but I'm just going to tell you, for me, this was really, really important. Somehow, because I had a hard time grasping this, I'd kind of gotten into the place that I thought, like, death was going to be the thing that made me new. I mean, as if, you know, like, okay, when I die, boom, you know, no more sin, no more sorrow, no more suffering. I'm going to be with Jesus forever. And somehow in my mind, I saw that moment of death as kind of that which was going to create that. And there is a practical to that that's, yeah, I'm going to leave my flesh behind, and so I'm not going to struggle with sin any longer. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, have pain or sorrow ever again, but it's not that death makes me new. Jesus made me new. I was new the moment I got saved. And, and as I move into eternity, boy, that's what's going to thrive. That's who I really am. The real, eternal me is that one. That's who I really am. And that's what he's inviting me to see and understand. That's what he's telling us in this space that he's telling us, hey, in Christ, if anyone's in Christ, that's you. I mean, this is what he has done. 
Now, well, let's back up a verse. You got your Bibles there in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, and we need to read the verse before this, um, where he says it this way. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Let's take the last half of that verse first, and he says we're invited to see it in Jesus, that what we're trying to think through, uh, we, we need to gaze upon Jesus and say, okay, we, we knew him in the flesh, but we know him thus no longer, that when we think about how that works, he says, here's the way it is, you know, uh, you know, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So what did he just say? Well, there is some debate. And so I just want to always be honest with you and say good Bible students will go a little bit different with this, two different places it can go. Some would say that what Paul is talking about is that before, if you're a follower of Jesus, before you got saved, when you thought about Jesus, you just thought about him as a man. I mean, that's how you do it. I mean, for Paul the Apostle, it was that way. He resisted Christ. He saw him as an enemy. And yet that moment he got saved, everything changed. Uh, and began to see Jesus for who he is, and, and, and that reality is there. Now, if that's the illustration that he's using here, it's a good illustration, and there's connection in it. Um, we could spend more time on it and, and try to kind of work its way into, into practicality, but I'll say if, if that's where you want to land this morning, you're not alone, um, and there, it, will, it will still work. But I would tell you, there's a, I, I think it's saying something different. What would it be saying? Well, see, when we think about Jesus... We know him in part in the flesh. How so? Do you read your Bible? If you've read the Gospels, if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the majority of what you got to see is Jesus and his humanity. Fully God, fully man, but we know him there. Now, we watch his life. That's how we get to see him live out in this world. And it was fully human. In fact, Isaiah says there was no form or comeliness about him that anybody would have even, you know, thought he was beautiful. I mean, unlike the pictures that people people paint, Jesus didn't have a halo. Uh, He didn't look different. In fact, you would have just looked and you might look right over him. Wasn't anything impressive about him. He was just, he looked like a man and he lived his life that way for the whole time, except for like one brief window on the Mount of Transfiguration when he kind of invited the disciples in. He said, you want to see? <laughs> you want to see what I really am? Can I show you my glory? And they saw it for a moment, for a moment, but he lived his life in the flesh. And then he died on the cross, and he rose from the grave, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father, fully in glory. In John 17, Jesus prays, Father, restore to me the glory that was mine that was with you from the beginning of a creation. So that the moment he ascends to the Father, he has all of that glory, that now he's there forevermore. Now he is absolutely glorious. Now here's how this is amazing, because for most of you, that is exactly what you believe, even though you haven't thought about it. Now again, there may be one person here, maybe, but probably not, but there might be one person here who, when you think about Jesus, you still just think he's a man. You think he's a nice guy, he's a good guy, but he's not God, he's not glorious, and I just want to tell you, you are wrong, and you're not saved, and we love you, and we'd love to talk to you about Jesus, and we'd love to help you get to know him, and if you find him, you're going to find out he is so much more than that, and and so lovingly, I just tell you that, but for most of you, almost instinctively, you already know this, that if I asked you right now, is Jesus glorious right now? 
Is, is he, you would, you would be like, yes. I mean, he's at the right hand of the Father. He is fully God. I mean, Revelation kind of gives us this picture of an image of Christ and his eyes like a flame of fire and, and his glory radiating. And, and you, you probably don't have any doubt about it for most of you. You're like, Jesus is beautiful. <laughs> he is glorious today. He is in, in heaven right now. He is not clothed in humanity that we knew him in the gospel. He is, he is clothed in glory. That's true, and it's just a crazy, amazing space, and he's inviting us to understand, hey, because we're in Christ, that same reality is our reality, that right now we are in Christ in our flesh, we're here, we're living this here, but there's a day coming when we're going to be forever in his presence, and as Jesus is in glory, so we will be glorified. And, and the way that we know Jesus, the way we see him is the way that we also understand what it is to be in Christ. That because we're going to rise and be with him, there's an eternity coming when, our, when, when we'll fully enter into that space of being in his glory. And it will be an amazing thing, but it's not as if it doesn't exist now. It does. It's just, it's hidden. But it's a place of us seeing it. Well, that's bigger. That's a, a lot bigger theological uh, conundrum than, than we could probably spend time fully unpacking. If it helped you there, great. Let's leave that for a second, and let's just get a little bit more practical. So, if anybody's in Christ, we're brand new creations. That's true. We get a chance to see it through Jesus. In fact, it's only because of Jesus that this is true. Because He died and rose, we die and rise. Because we died with Him, we find our life in Him. It's the only way it's true. So how do you see this in your salvation? How do we see this in, in who we are? Well, let me kind of push that up to the screen so we have a little bit of space there. And I just want to just point out a couple quick things that we could spend much, much more time on this. The great weight of the New Testament is to convince you of what you already are in Christ. And if you figure this out, and if you figure it out as you read through the Bible, that this is one of the primary arguments that it's trying to do. So you get the book of Romans, and like for the first 11 chapters, this is what it's telling you. Do you know who you are? Do you have any idea what God did? Do you understand what you are? You get this in the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is probably one of the best ones that shows it. And so for the first three chapters, it just reminds us of what happened when you got saved. And I have time to obviously read all of it, but let me just put a couple of the verses on the screen. So it begins in Ephesians, and it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, again, that's worth just making sure you notice, past tense, has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. It's all ours. Every blessing, every blessing in the heavenly places is ours. It's already ours. We are already fully in that space that if you're in Christ, all those blessings are ours, that we would be holy and without blame before him in love. Already true if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're born again, he has made you that. He's predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glory, of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We are. And he goes on. I mean, he goes on through the rest of the chapter and says, hey, we are already forgiven. Like, we already have riches and treasures. He goes on to say in chapter 2, we were dead and now we're alive. He goes on to just continue to unpack for us what we already are in Christ. This is not what we're trying to create. He's not asking us to make it. 
He's not asking us, hey, if you work hard, this too can be yours. He's like, you already have it. Every blessing in the heavenly places is yours. So then it gets to that transition moment into chapter 4 when it begins to get practical on how we do that in our lives. It transitions this way. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Hey, start to live like the person you already are. You already are called to it. Now start living up to that. Start being that person that God made you to be. He goes on to say, he says, hey, you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you've heard him and you've been taught by him as the truth in Jesus. He says, don't do life the way the world is doing the world. They do it wrong. Whether they're doing evil or trying to do good, it's just not the way we do it. It's not the way we've learned Christ. It's not how he has taught us to live. How has he taught us to live? Well, he gives it to us so well. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off that old man. Stop, stop walking in those things that you used to be. Be renewed and put on the new one. Put on the new one. Now, he'll say this dozens of ways in the Bible, constantly calling us there. He says, part of what this is, is to no longer walk in our flesh, which is still there. But don't do that any longer. He says, that old man, put it off, that old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. So much we could say, but let me just give this to you very, very quickly. Hey, this is really helpful and a little discouraging. Your flesh is never going to get better. In fact, it's getting worse. Your flesh, that is still a part of your life right now, is still a part of your, of your world, and it's never going to be reformed. In fact, day by day, it's going to get worse because that's the direction your flesh is going in. Now, again, I love that. It's very, very helpful. Uh, it's very, you know, insightful. And for some of you, are like, I, I know that. I just thought something was wrong. I mean, I keep thinking, why isn't my flesh getting better? I mean, I've been a Christian for a little, little while, and I, my flesh is, is, sometimes I feel like it's worse today than it was, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago. It, it is. It's growing corrupt. He says, well, you need to stop. Don't, don't walk in that person that you were. Don't walk in your flesh. Be renewed. And the idea of, again, be renewed is being reminded of what you already are. I mean, you were new when you got saved. And so in your mind, in the spirit of your mind, remember who you are. Remember what he did. Remember who he made you. And then put it on. Put on that new man that was already created. He's not asking you to create it. He's not asking you to make it. He says that man was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. That's who you really are. Like he has written, you know, the, the, the new covenant says he has written his law on our hearts so that we know him and we walk in his ways and we do that. That's the real us. And he says, here's the key of living out the Christian life. Do that. Be what you already are. Stop living in your flesh. Instead, I want you to put on this new man. I want to put it here to say, okay, God, I want to live the person that you have already made me to be. I long for that to work out in, in great ways. Wow. Hey, we'll come back one more place and try to talk about that from another angle if it'll help. But I just want to tell you a big part of the New Testament is to say, your great need is to figure out what God has already done. 
if you really understood who you now are in Christ, it'd change you, and you begin to live it, because you're not making that happen. You're beginning to live like the person that God already made you to be. We think that through, and again, as we process that, honestly, that would help us, because though that's true, we still are at war with sin. The Bible's really clear that we still live in the flesh, and so the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, he says in Galatians 5, that keeps us from being the person we want to be, but this battle becomes clear if you could see this. In fact, it's the big argument of Romans 6, 7, and 8. If you could process it deeply, you can go and see some of it. Let me just give you a couple places where we think that through, and as we do that, I want you to come to understand that when you sin as a Christian, that's your flesh. It's still you. I mean, we're not blaming something like it's not us, but it's our old man. And when you do the right thing, that's the real you. That's, that's the, the Spirit of God in you. Now, I'm going to say this well. God help it the land. Part of your problem this morning, for some of you here, is Satan has pulled the wool over your eyes, your flesh has pulled the wool over your eyes, and you see it the other way around. When you do the wrong thing, you, that's what I am, that's me, I'm just a creep, I'm just a terrible person, you know, it's no surprise that I sin because that's me. And when you do the right thing, you almost feel like, I don't even know what that was, like, it just doesn't feel real, or I don't even know how that works, that's a lie. If you sin, and when you sin, that's your old man. And as a sense of you saying, that is no longer the person I am. Old things have passed away. Like Jesus died for that. All of that is gone. That is no longer the person I'm supposed to be. I should live out what I really am. So Paul would do this a little bit, Romans 6, 7, and 8, but I'll just dive you into chapter 7, where he has this long section that some of you would know. He says, I I, want to do the right things. I don't do the things I want to do, and things I don't want to do, I do. What's wrong with me? Why is this happening? He says, now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh. There's nothing good there. I, I have a flesh, and it's bad and it's growing corrupt. I mean, anything good about my flesh never will be, but how do I perform what's good? How, do, how then do I do that? He says, now if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but it's the sin. It's the sin, it's this flesh, it's there. Now, please don't misunderstand. We're not blaming like, you know, it's not my fault. No, my flesh is still me. It's just my old man. He says, how do I get out of that? How do I do that? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God. It's through Jesus Christ the Lord. So with the mind I serve the law of God, and with the flesh the law of sin. He says, you know, I'm in this place where my flesh still sins, but I I, I have a new heart, a new mind, a, a person in Christ, and now there's this battle, but it's a real battle between who I now am in Christ and the flesh that I, that was a part of me. He goes on to simply say, now there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but our lives are now because we are made new in him. That's why Paul can say it in Galatians 5, I say then walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Like the way that you overcome is walk with Him. Like walk with Him and in that person He made you to be and you won't do the flesh. 
It's still there, but there's a battle, but it's a battle between what he has done and who you are in him, which is entirely his work and, and, and the flesh that's there. Wow, I mean, I just want to tell you, that is massive. That is absolutely massive, and, and, and we can spend much more time on it, but it's enough for you to simply say that for some of us, the battle, we, we, we don't understand the battle, and we are losing partly because we're not even paying attention to where the battle lines are and, and, and giving up territory we shouldn't because we don't recognize who we are. Well, he's inviting us to see that, and I want to just simply say it as well, that this is who we are, that we are made new in Christ, we're new creations, and believing this would radically change the way you view yourself. Honestly, there's a space that pride and condemnation move away. It's a funny deal. When you don't really have this as a mindset, you kind of have this idea of, look at me, I'm getting better and better and better, I'm doing good, until you kind of come to a place like, it was never me in the first place. I'm only being what he made me to be, and I'm not even doing that super well yet, but it's entirely him. I mean, anything good he did in me, and anything good is only living out what he already made me to be, and so it does some damage against pride, it does some damage against condemnation, because it's like, that's no longer who I am, I'm different now. I'm a different person. Christ has made me new. To find your identity in him changes absolutely everything. To to be able to say, old things have passed away. Everything's become new. I'm a new person in Christ. Uh, to, To believe that changes everything. Literally changes everything. Inviting us to see it and understand all of it. That said, let me circle back and just say it one more time. If this sounds weird, if it sounds like above you and outside of who you are, simply put, if you're a Christian, this is actually what's taking place. You might not fully understand it. You might be in like, man, I just not, I don't, not sure. I, you know, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creation. That old thing, it's all, all paid for. It's all passed away. Jesus paid for it, you died to it, your flesh is going away, everything has become new. That is who you are. That is who you are. Believing that, knowing that, is exactly where we're supposed to be. It would change everything in some ways for us to understand the incredible reality of actually who we are in Christ. Well, this is good, this is helpful, but to be quite honest, we haven't actually gotten to the key point that Paul is trying to bring out in this text. Uh, It's going to be easy. Well, not easy, but we'll get there if you can get it. So back up with me again and see it. So Paul had been writing to them, and you can back up to verse 12 for a moment um, as he lays all this out. He says, for we do not commend ourselves to you again, but give you the opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance, but not in heart. He says, when you are thinking about who I am, I'm giving you an opportunity to to boast on what Christ has done, to see it that way. Now go down to verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The challenge is that this reality is to change the way we view one another in Christ. It's to change the way we see that, that the way we think about this, when we see other Christians, there is a sense that we ought to be able to see them as new. 
that there's a sense that when we think about it from now on, again, I like that. I even like it. Maybe for somebody here, you're just going to like, okay, like I just need to change the way I'm thinking about this. Like because of this from now on, Paul says, we don't regard them. We don't see them that way. And yet here's the problem. I mean, I, I've discovered, and maybe you have as well, that for many Christians, we most of the time don't see other Christians this way. If you have even gotten close to believing what God has told you about you, if I say this this morning that you're a new creature in Christ, that old things have passed away, everything's become new, if you've even started believing that about yourself, that would be good. <laughs> that would be good. And, and some of you, you have. But it's almost wild that we don't think about this when we think about other Christians. Sometimes when we think about other Christians, we still identify them by their flesh. We still look at them, and we remember them by their past. Oh, I know what you are. You're that liar, deceiver, uh, adulterer, you know, whatever. I, I know what you are. You're that failure. I, we look at them, and we, and we identify them maybe not just by their sin, but even their flesh. You're that older guy, younger girl. You're that heavier weight person. I don't know how it works, you know, but we tend to identify this flesh as if this flesh actually defined us. We're leaving this flesh behind, you know, so that every, none of that stuff is really our essential character anymore, and we're invited to see other, other believers radically differently. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says it's a serious thing to remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship. I just want you to think about it for a moment. You don't have to turn around and look at anybody right now in this room, but I just want to tell you it's true. There are believers in this room, and if we saw you right now in glory, we saw you right now your flesh left behind. Because of Jesus, you've been made new. No more sin, no more pain, no more sorrow. Your glory would be so much that if we weren't careful, we, like John in the book of Revelation, might be tempted to fall down and worship before what you have become. Do you ever see anybody else in Christ that way? Do you ever look around and say, hey, I'm, I'm living among people who are brand new in Christ? They, 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 if, I could, if I could see them now, if I could see them now, it would be absolutely glorious. Paul would say it this way in Romans 8 when he says it. He says, I consider that the sufferings of our present time, they're not worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Like we're going through things, but life is hard, but man, we're looking forward to a day when God's glory is going to be poured out and shine, reflected in us, upon us, even all of creation, he says, is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God till the covers are fully taken back, till it's fully opened and we say, okay, now I get to see, now I get to see who you are, but I get to know it now. Let's think about it this way. For somebody, this will help. So we've done this whole kind of like a kind of, you know, pulling of a chest over, like kind of the Superman thing. Let's say it was real. Let's say Superman is real and you actually knew him. You knew him both as Clark Kent, but you knew, his, you knew it was more than that. You knew that when you saw him, you know what he really is. Would that change the way you treated him? I mean, would you kind of like, you know, if you're kind of there at the Daily Bugle and, you know, 
Clark Kent is bungling around as this bumbling reporter. Would you ever look at him and go, I know who you are. Like, I know. Like, nobody else may know. But I know. I know you're really Superman. And I know that you could just, and then you would just, you you might look like a mild-mannered reporter, but I know you're not. In a way, that's what he's telling us we get to do. See, our problem, unlike Superman, we just can't become, we're not there yet. We're waiting for that moment that our glory is revealed. We're waiting for that moment when God peels back and takes off our flesh, and, and the beautiful thing that Christ has already made us comes fully into just understanding to the revealing of the sons of God. But that's true. And our challenge is to make sure that we see each other just a little bit more that way. Would it change the way we saw each other if we didn't define ourselves by our flesh, by your past, by your failures, or even again, if we can just be honest, by what you look like, your appearance, your, 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 your age, where we look and say, those are not who you really are. I know that. That's your flesh. And it is going away. But I know you. You're holy. And you're beautiful. You're forgiven. You're, you're adopted into God's family. I know what you are. You're going to be seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That's you. That is what you are. And that changes the way I see things. It's meant to change the way I see things. It's meant to be the way I do it. And so that's what Paul's inviting us to say. Say, hey, if you could see this, in Christ we're new creations. It's because of Christ. It's because of who we are. It should change the way we see things. And brothers and sisters, it should change the way we see things. I don't know about you. Just going to be honest. I need some growth there. I, I can read it on the page and go, I get it. I just don't know how often I actually think about it. I don't, I don't think about it enough when I see you. And I hope that's okay to say that. I just want to. I want to look at you and say, you're a child of God. You're forgiven. You're holy. You are so beautiful that if I saw you in heaven right now, I would, it would freak me out. Like it would, I would almost be tempted to worship because you would be that beautiful. And it wouldn't be because of you. I wouldn't look at you and think you self-created. I'd say, Jesus, look what you did. Jesus, this is a new creature that you made. You, you made them a new beginning. You, you did a radical, glorious thing, and it is entirely what Christ has done. That's who we are. That's what we get to do. You know, I find myself thinking about it. If you're reading the Bible together with us today, you read uh, in the book of Philemon, which is this great book of forgiveness and redemption and even dealing with sin and, and struggle in the midst of it. But I like the, one of the things that uh, Paul says to him. He says, I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So I pray that people would know that you get to share your faith better, that this world that is lost and dying would hear what you have to say. And can I say it here this morning if that's you? If you're here on the outside of it and you're not, you don't know Jesus, you don't have this forgiveness, boy, I want this to be effective I want you to hear what we're offering. And part of that is because we just need to acknowledge what is already ours in Christ. It says that the more we know who we are in Christ, that we acknowledge every good thing that is already ours in Christ, it makes us better witnesses. And I, I, just, want to, I, I just hope to be that right now. If you're here in this room, if you're joining us online, 
I want to tell you what God has done in every single believer here. They are forgiven. They are made right. They are adopted into God's family. They, they have an eternal place. This isn't kind of a self-help that, you know, hey, if they, if they work a little bit harder, they'll get there. No, we are. This is, he has made us new, and you could be new. You could be new. We think about Jesus who told Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, you can't, you can't have it. You're never going to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again, and you can be born again by believing in Jesus and being radically changed. Christianity is not a religion of self-help. Real Christianity is radical. New beginning accomplished by Christ, and he would hold that out to us this morning, that we would be able to look at it and say, do you know who I am? I, I'm a new, I, 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 it's better than a superhero. I, I, I'm made right in Christ. I'm holy. There's a righteousness that is now mine because of what he's done. There's, 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 a, there's a forgiveness that's mine. There's, this is who I now am, and God would invite you to believe that and, and, and to find that transforming who you are. So you can close your Bibles, your notebooks, whatever that is, and I just invite you again to think through the reality of that which we've talked about this morning, and I don't know where it lands. I don't know what it is that God is saying to you. Maybe, maybe I've said some of this this morning, and you're like, Jim, I get it. These are things I've been trying to grow in, and, and, and you're doing well, good, keep growing. But I know I'm talking to some of you this morning, you're like, wow, I mean, have I ever thought it through that way before? Do, do I just get that confused at times? Maybe you do. But if you could see it, it's the weight of Scripture. It's the weight of what Christ has done. That this thing about being a Christian is better than you have ever imagined. Not what you have done, but what he, he has accomplished. So would you take a moment and pray for that? Pray for that both in your understanding, how you understand what he's done in you. But as you're praying, would you also take a moment to pray for exactly what the text was saying? From now on, that is not how we regard people. From now on, I do not look at people and just regard them according to the flesh. Because I know if they're in Christ, that's not them. They're better. They're, they're, they, they have stuff that if I could just but see it, it would change the way I treat them. So quietly between you and the Lord, you talk to him about that. Again, if that's you surrendering your life to the Lord, it's a great moment to do that. So quietly between you and the Lord, would you talk to him? I'll do the same, and then we'll come back and pray together in just a moment.
Jesus, who you are and what you have done is more wonderful, more glorious than any of us have even come close to fully understand it. That you would bring us to brand new life in Christ, to be born again, old things passing away, everything becoming new. Lord, the, the depths and riches and glory of you and what you've accomplished, mind-boggling. But I come to it right now and just say, God, I know it's true. I know it's amazing what you've done, and I'm, I'm with all creation. I'm looking forward to that day that the sons of God are revealed, that our flesh peeled away, and that which you have made in Christ stays forever. No pain, no sorrow, no suffering. In your presence, your, your law written on our hearts, the, the people that you've made us in Christ. God, I pray that you would help us to see it and that you would help us to understand what you have done and then to begin to live that out, to walk worthy of what you've already accomplished in Christ. Teach us to put off that old man, to be renewed and to put on that new man that has been created by you. And then, Lord, change the way we see things. As good as this is, and it's amazing how rare probably it is that we see each other with these eyes, that we see each other as new creatures in Christ, change us, help us, help us get closer to it. But I thank you that it's true, and I'm looking forward to that day with incredible longing. But acknowledging right now, you've already done the work. You've already made it pass, just happen in us, who are yours, and I thank you for that. I do pray for any here that don't have that. You said that the you know, sharing of our faith could become effective. The more we understand what is really ours in Christ, acknowledging the good things that are ours in Christ. God, I pray it would be so this day and you would draw to yourself those who are on the outside looking in right now. We pray for that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God meet you in that. May he draw you to whatever it is he's showing you. Uh, we're here if you need to talk. If you need to know Jesus, we're here. We'd love to talk to you about it. But let's close in worship right now. Why don't you guys stand as we want to just close in a final song, just putting our hearts and minds on him. And that I just want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.